podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hello and welcome to the King and AI podcast. My name's Kelly Cates and you'll be listening to my dad, uh, Kenny Dalglish, on this podcast and getting his thoughts on football issues about Liverpool, but also about other things as well. And the reason the podcast has come about is because of our family's charity, the Marina Dalglish Appeal, which was set up to raise money to help cancer patients and their families. So if you'd like to support that, that would be fantastic. As much as it's about raising awareness, it is also about the financial support, if possible. If you want to donate, you can go to anfieldindex.com slash MDA, or you can go to the Marina Dalglish Appeal website to find out a little bit more about the charity and the work that they do. It's worth having a read about. It's a really great charity and it's something that's very close to all our hearts. Enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to the latest episode of the King and AI podcast here on Anfield Index Pro. Yes, after a long sabbatical, we're back with a new episode. And whilst obviously you've still been able to listen to Sir Kenny semi-regularly on the Ken 7 podcast, which is of course available right here on Anfield Index, the new season getting underway seemed like a good time to get the ball rolling once again. And as, as ever, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome back to your ears once again, the one and only Sir Kenny Dalgleish. Hello, Kenny. Morning, Edwards. And you're uh, you're still in uh, pastures pastures of more sunshine than we're getting in the UK, I believe. Uh, but we're uh, expecting to see you on the telly again at the Chelsea game. The camera will be panning up to you, no doubt, after missing the uh, the Burnley one at the weekend. By the time this is broadcast, I'll be home. <laughs> oh, he's not giving our editors much credit there. <laughs> Guy Drinkle will be uh, will be uh, will, will take the challenge of that one. I'm sure it's not to do with the editors. It's to do with the flight time. Oh, I see. Okay, so is it really it's tricky? Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Well, let's hope you manage to get a smooth, uh, smooth transition back into uh, into the UK at some point. If you've got a problem with your editor's head, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> and joining us today is a new voice to this particular podcast, but one distinctly familiar to everyone on Anfield Index Pro. It's he of our scouted and raw podcast and writer, of course, at the Independent. It's Mister Carl Matchett. How are you, Carl? Um, well, thank you. Cheers for having me on. Oh, no, delighted. And uh, we'll sure like, we'll get into some interesting subjects. You helped me put the uh, agenda together for this one. So uh, we'll, we'll see what we can uh, say on some of these topics as the show progresses. But as always, before we start, start talking about football, it's important to reiterate what Kelly said at the top of the show there and remind all our listeners that the key objective of this podcast is to raise awareness and funds for the Marina Dalgleish Appeal. And thanks to all our listeners who have made donations in the three years or so that we've been producing this show. Please do keep them coming. Remember, it's very easy to do just by heading over to anfieldindex.com 
forward slash MDA and pledging whatever you can. Now, obviously, Kenny, during the time we've been off air over the summer, we did manage to help organize that $50,000 pledge with uh, with Yummy Coin to the appeal. And hopefully that's helped with whatever the charity has planned for the remainder of 2021 and into 2022. No, it was more than generous, the donation. Um, and for us, there's not been an awful lot going on during the 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 COVID for eighteen months. Obviously, you kind of get access to events. And at the moment, although it seized off a little bit, people are still apprehensive about attending the function. So we just have to wait and see what happens. But certainly, it was hugely appreciated and very gratefully received. So we've no, we just kept in contact with the. Uh, with the patients and kept in contact with the hospitals and uh can assure you anything that's received won't be going to waste. So it's very much appreciated. But as I say, although COVID's taken over, the the cancer problem still exists and that's as much as anybody can do to help, we'll try our very best to be as helpful and we'll put the money into the areas where they think it's needed. I mean, it's needed everywhere, but there's got to be priorities. So we try yeah. our best, and I think the city of Liverpool and the surrounding areas should be really proud of the, the quality of the hospitals that they have in and around the city. I think they're fantastic, and I think uh, if anybody can do anything to help it, especially us, then we will. Yeah, they've obviously been stretched and tested more than they'd have liked in this uh, in this 18 months or so since the, uh, since the pandemic came to kind of cause chaos uh, around the UK and around the world. And uh, we'll use this podcast and our platforms however we can to help the Marina Dalgish appeal. We'll look forward to seeing uh, what happens as hopefully this pandemic recedes into the background and they get on with doing their important uh, cancer work again. So uh, we'll try and do whatever we can to continue helping with the charity. Now, before we uh, start, we, we have to touch on a rather somber note, and that's uh, we're sending our best wishes to two of Kenny's former teammates, uh, Dennis Law with Scotland and Terry McDermott, of course, with Liverpool, both sadly announcing in the past week that they'd been diagnosed with dementia. It's a truly horrible illness, Kenny, and it, it seems to be impacting the lives of far too many ex-footballers and their families. Yeah, but it's not exclusive to footballers. Um, and it is a horrible illness anyway. And there's, there's not much they can do uh, to prevent it. And obviously, the... <clears throat> The more information they get, the greater the knowledge is, the better chance they have a, if no cure, and it's certainly slowing it down a bit for a lot of people. But the footballers, as I say, it's, it's Dennis is, I think, about 82 years of age, and Terry Mack's older than me, so, um, <laughs> it's sad when you, when somebody is like that, but hopefully it's not too bad. And, I know it's pointed towards people heading the football, but I think it's very difficult to say categorically that's been the problem. That's where it came from. I know heading football might not do you any good, but I don't know if it's done the harm that uh, has contributed towards the two lads' uh, problems at the moment. I mean, you can you would need to go way back to when they were kids and analyse their brain and see if that was if they already had a problem there when they were younger. Whilst it's there, everybody that's involved in the football will, will try their best to find an answer to it. And you can only wish that the two boys haven't have got haven't got 
the disease as badly as, as what it can be. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, in terms of the, the football at the minute, obviously, is there's a lot of studies ongoing now. Um, we've we've seen over the last couple of years, um, not just the PFA, but the FA and plenty of the other governing bodies as well, trying to come on board and trying to put things into place, which are not just going to be a benefit now, but maybe 10 or 20 years down the line, like Kenny says, we'll have a much greater understanding of it. Um, I think that's probably something that is necessary for, for the future, for the guidance. We've even seen rules coming in this season for limiting the amount of heading in training, for example, what they call forceful headers. Um, you know, this is this is not something that's going to have an immediate impact. Of course, it's part of trying to broaden the data and, and the knowledge that we have within the game to see if it has an impact and what the impact is. But as Kenny's rightly said, it, it isn't just within football, and I'm sure there are plenty of people uh, listening myself included, who have family members who at the moment are, uh, have suffering with dementia. And you know, the, the, the worst part of it is, of course, that it is so debilitating and, and progressively worse as it goes on. And, and there's very, very little we can do at the moment is the problem. Well, let's, uh, let's go on to in more enjoyable subjects, I would say, as Liverpool fans. And uh, it's been a, a summer of contracts, hasn't it, Kenny? Uh, rather than transfers for Liverpool. Uh, Andy Robertson, the latest to, to pen a long-term deal, which falls closely on the back of Trent, Allison, Fabinho and Virgil van Dijk. Uh, it seems uh, Liverpool are getting their ducks in order uh, for the future. I think the only, thing, the only reason you have a transfer is to try and improve your team. And I think the quality of the people who have had their contracts renewed uh, it's thoroughly deserved. But obviously, they're top, top draw players. And I think it's a really great piece of business by Liverpool that they've renewed and kept the people that they have, uh, that they're happy with, or that they don't think is going to be going anywhere or going to be lasting for a long time. So if there's somebody there that you want to keep, you try your best to do it. And everybody seems very, very happy within the dressing room. And that's important. And as well as the value that they give, I think the importance is you've been happy to go to your work. And I think all the boys have been very happy going to work. They've all put plenty of paper. Uh, obviously, we missed out on one in Jeannie Wijnaldum, uh, which hopefully doesn't turn out to be a big miss. But as I say, Jeannie did fantastically well for us. And he was a, a really good guy as well. But the more that signed in, uh, and the ones that have signed in, they're the important ones. The ones that leave, there's nothing you can do about. But I don't know where they would have got, where they would have got a better quality of player to come in and replace any of the lads that have signed their, their new contract. So quality is more important than, than anything else. And certainly the lads that have signed the contracts are hugely important to Liverpool. I think not just with Andy Robert, but obviously this, this summer alone we've had Trent, we've had Virgil. Uh, Fabinho, Allison all signed new contracts. I mean, we think of the last time when Liverpool were able to turn to what is basically the spine of the team and get them all to renew contracts. It was a long, long time ago. You know, Liverpool for too long really wasn't seen as the place where these top players were the most important players wanted to stay. I mean, you're probably looking at what, Kenny's time when he was manager, first time around, that the last time when you could pick a player who was key to Liverpool and get them to sign a deal outside of people like obviously Jamie Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, who you know stayed for almost their, their entire careers or all the career in the case of Carragher. Um, a lot of the time when the players have become international superstars, when they've been 
the best player in the world in their particular position, there's been teams wanted them. And there's been teams able to take them away from Liverpool because they're able to offer them a greater chance of winning the major trophies, which is not necessarily something you can say at the moment. Um, Henderson and Salah, obviously, we, we hope are still soon to follow uh, in signing new contracts as well. And, I mean, can you really say, Kenny, that any of the players who have signed new deals are going to be any less effective next year and the two years to follow than they have been already in the last three years for Jürgen? No, they won't be. They won't be any less effective unless they're injured. But also, when you get people coming in as replacements, it was really pleasing on at Anfield to see Simicas do as well as he did in the game. I mean, he's made the first goal, a great run with Jota across the front of the, the defender and flicked it in. But that'll do him no harm whatsoever and that'll really boost his confidence. So it's important that you have good replacements for people because you never know, as you saw last year with, with Virgil being out and struggling for centre-backs and when you move the the central midfield players back to centre-back, you're, you're with all due respect, weaken in both positions because the two boys are the centre-back, although they did very well. The young boys come in and did very well at centre-back, but you're weakening the midfield area as well. So when you've got them, it's as well to sign them. And maybe sometimes they're more appreciated when they're not playing than what they are when they are playing. So they've done fantastic business for me anyway. And time will tell uh, whether it's going to be successful, but I think the business was the correct thing to be done. And as I say, it's, it's very difficult when you've got a quality team to find replacement. You know, are people who, who want to come there and bide their time. And Kuati coming in at centre-back, with Joe Gomez coming back to fitness, Matov back to fitness, Virgil back to fitness. He might need to be a bit patient before he gets games in the first team. So I think we're in a strong position so far. I think that's a valid point as well, because even like Andy Robertson that we're talking about now with his being the most recent contract, it's easy to forget he didn't walk into the side. It took a little bit of time for him to get the first opportunities. There were a couple of uh, discussions with Jürgen about what he needed to improve. And it was only really with a, an injury to Alberto Moreno about, I think it was like the October, November sort of time, that Robertson came into the team and by that time had obviously adapted on a, a, tactic, a tactical level. But also the competition for places then meant he had to put in big and uh, impressive performance levels to keep his place in the side. He wasn't a star when he arrived. He'd just been relegated to a halt. And it's not always about signing eight of the very, very best players. You know, great if you can do it, but it doesn't have to be done that way. We've built a team a very, very different way, which can win the best titles around. And also, I think when the, the players come in at first, there's no too many go straight into the first team. There's been one or two, but I think it's important for them to come in and see how Jürgen works, how he operates, how he expects you to perform on the pitch. And I think for Andy coming for Hull City, it was important that he got some time to bed in, to educate, and obviously massively improved in what he was before. But that's partly down to him being, uh, being willing to take in the advice that was given. And also, didn't him having the ability inside them, just needing somebody to bring it out. So, if they're patient, then I think there'll be a spot for everybody. And Kenny, just touching back on the contract situation, uh, I just always like to reminisce a, a little on your time uh, as a player and a manager, probably in your first spell more than your second spell. But 
how how early? I know we're in a post-Bosman era now, and uh, it, it was different back then because you had tribunals and things like that when players were out of contracts. But how early would you get into conversations or uh, as a player about a new contract? How, would it almost get to the end? Would it be a year before? Would it be two years before? Because most of these lads are all two years before their contract was it about to expire that they've signed these new deals. Is that something that's carried on from your time or is that something that's essentially due to, due to the post-Bosman era? Well, I think when uh, when we were in the dressing room, late seventies, early eighties, the players, the players, there was never in doubt. So you used to get a message sent down for Peter Robinson upstairs that there's a new contract here if you want to come up and sign it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I'm sitting here, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but if I, I must have upset somebody, <laughs> you, you'd go up and you would. Obviously, they put it so they were always thinking futuristically. When I became manager, I didn't get involved in contract negotiations or finances. The people upstairs were good enough, right, at that, without me putting my two pence worth in. They maybe asked your opinion about the players, right, before they went and did the finances, but I never worried about the finances uh, because anything they had was invested into the football club anyway. Um, Contracts are important. It's important to have your players tied down. And I think it's also important the way the players behave when they are turned down, signed up. Um, because there's a lot of people want to have discussions in newspapers about contracts and everything else. And I think your people, their players deserve a huge amount of credit for the way that they conduct themselves when there is speculation about their transfers or speculation about their, their new contracts. So they're a great credit to the football club, but I think they're a great credit to, to themselves as well, the way they behave. Kenny, did you ever have during your time, again, either as a player or as a manager, and feel free to not name specific names if you don't want to, but we see sometimes like in the modern day, you'll get a player, let's say he signs on loan, and then he has a good run on loan, and then he'll sign for the club permanently, and then people will say that they sort of give up a little bit once they've got the contract. And never really produce those same sort of performances again. Is that something, again, which you, you had back in the day, or is it just something which we hear about more of now because there's more media, more social, all the rest of it? Um, I, don't, I don't think players would intentionally know, reach the heights that they, they would like to reach. Um, I found in my time coming into Liverpool, uh, it was a very welcoming place. The dressing room was... There was not anybody who was arrogant, carried away in any way, shape or form. Uh, they got on with their work, they respected the, the football club, they respected their teammates, and they had the desire themselves to play. They know everybody's going to be playing as often as they'd want to play. You can't do anything about that. If a team's going well and there's people playing well, some, you can't take them out of the place. And even that was in the days when they used to have well, it's Carling Cup, and then the Caribou Cup, it was the League Cup or the Milk Cup when we were playing. We played a strong team. Mm-hmm. We played a strong team. That's been used nowadays for to give other people games, which is helpful to the people that, that play the games as long as they take it the way it's supposed to be taken. This is an opportunity for you. If you've got a problem because the manager's not playing you, well, produce it on the pitch when you get the opportunity and you might get in. So... No, I, I think um, 
I think the the things done in the, in a fine and fit manner. And when you see the way the pre-season went, how many of the young lads have got a huge lift? If you're going pre-season training with the first team and getting half an hour in one of the games, I mean, the, the, the kids have been brilliant. And you look how Harvey Elliott's come through and played in the game on Saturday against Burnley. Came on sub in the first game, started the second game. Had a fantastic season last year at, at Blackburn. So, um, I think he'll not be expecting to play every week, but he's only 18. So, a wee bit of patience, I'll get him there. Training with the players, I'll get him there. But no, everybody's happy not to play. But you've got to earn the right to play. And I said when I was manager the first time round, I said, the people who aren't playing are more important than the people that are playing because they're the ones that's helped to push them forward. And they're the ones that have got to sit there and be patient and when they're given the opportunity, make sure they take it. Is that, is that harder with younger players, Kenny, that may be looking for that opportunity maybe a bit quicker than they might, that some of the, some of the more older, more experienced ones may accept that that's their position in the squad and they've got obviously a very important role to try and push the other ones on the starting eleven. But with a younger player to make sure they get that opportunities, is that is that harder now than it was then or, or harder harder then than it was now? It was harder then because we put strong teams out. Now they're putting teams that they think is going to win. But it's still no, it's, it wouldn't have been predominantly the first team, would it? I mean, there's a lot of the kids play and the 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 Carnival Cup or the Carling Cup, whatever they call it now, isn't it? Yeah. No, I suppose extra subs, extra subs as well. Yeah, so they all get an opportunity. Big acceptance yeah. years ago as well, at Liverpool at least, of when you join, you're going to be in the reserves for a year. Where, you know, that, that kind of thing can't happen nowadays with the, with the size of the squads and with, obviously, I suppose, the finances which are outlaid on the players as well. But even at the moment, I mean, Firmino's no... He's not started a league game yet, has he? No. We've only played twice. <laughs> what quality of player is he? <laughs> you know, it's difficult to judge it. They've got a lot more, well, a lot more commitment to international football at the moment. Because this year they had the, the Euros, they've had the Copa America. So the players need time to come back, settle down and then get into the way of things with us. Whereas, with us, it was pretty straightforward when you come in at the start of the season. There wasn't any interruption for league games being called up. Well, league fixtures being re- rearranged through round about international fixtures. Although I think that's the best way to do it. Play two of them in 10 days and get them back to their own club. Yeah. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalgleish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, We'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com 
to start your seven-day free trial now. Definitely. Now, obviously, you mentioned Harvey Elliott there, and we got our first chance to see him up close uh, for Liverpool in his first Premier League start there on Saturday. Now, he spent last season alone at one of your former clubs, Blackburn Rovers, and that path has been followed once again uh, with midfielder Leighton Clarkson hooking up with Tony Mowbray's men for this season. Obviously, Kenny Blackburn are a completely different place as a club now as they were in your day, but uh, how beneficial are these kind of loans and these sort of pathways that clubs share for younger players that aren't perhaps getting that opportunity uh, with with their main club uh, initially at this at this young age? Leighton Clarkson's about the same size as me, Sammy Lee. <laughs> he played central midfield in the in the reserves. He's come up through the academy and done particularly well. And he's really he can see a pass. He knocks a pass in, and he's a it'll do him the world of good going up there on loan and just raising up a bit of a level over and above the under twenty threes. So, I think it's important that they get to see somewhere. And I think also, for Leighton's point of view, I think Tony Mowbray would have a lot to do with Harvey Elliott doing well. Because Tony's good at his job. And he, the way that he, Harvey's come along is great credit to Harvey, but also a bit of credit to the way Tony Mowbray must have managed him. And I think the club have got, might have got a bit of confidence for that and said, well, for putting Leighton out on loan, uh, he might as well go to Blackburn because Tony done such a good job last year. I think it's really important for a long time Liverpool have the uh, sort of relationships, if you like, with the clubs who are taking the younger players on loan, where they know that they're going to be not just played in a particular way and, and uh, encouraged to develop that way, but actually get the game time and have the trust in those players. We, it's not always been the case that some of our really talented young players have gone out on loans and made a success of it and sometimes that's just down to the club that they're at the the manager maybe changes or the situation that they're in they can't afford to play players who are not with the club contracted or whatever it is but it just seems that there's not been as many very very good loan spells as let's say Harry Wilson did when he was in the championship a couple of years ago or uh, Harvey Elliott did last year at Blackburn some of them even when they've gone up to Scotland uh, I think like Shea Ojo started really well for example and then it sort of fell by the wayside for him um, when he was uh, over in uh, Reims as well. And these ones d- didn't really happen, Ryan Kent, when he went overseas. So it's nice that if Liverpool, especially being in the local sort of area where they can still have good feedback and contact with them, if the younger players are able to go to a team where we know the manager, we know the setup, we've got a good relationship with them and they know, they know that they are indeed going to get regular game time on the pitch as well. But the club's not the important place for them to go to. It's a manager. It's a manager. What's the manager's philosophy? Mm. And they've proved at Blackburn that their philosophy suited Harvey last year. So it's no it's no rocket science to think, well, if it helped Harvey, he might be able to help others. Does that perhaps, Kenny, where, where Carl mentioned uh, Shea Ojo there and Ryan Kent. Now, Ryan Kent obviously didn't have a successful loan uh, pre- prior to the one that he had with Rangers so is maybe Stephen being involved with Ryan Kent when he first went to Rangers is that is that the sort of relationship you're talking about with yeah, the manager and his philosophy it's also their development as well I mean you could everybody goes through different things natural growth and whatever else at different periods and if they're just going through that at the wrong time when they go on loan that's not going to be helpful to them either is it so there's a lot of things to be taken into consideration but I think the loan 
the loan system works well for the younger players going out just to get them out to let them have a look at see what like it is away for the football club and also in some instances if it's necessary they can go and see how lucky they are to be at a club like <laughs> Liverpool so it, it helps in many ways in their life but also in their footballing life and you've got Ben Woodward Ben Woodburn he's going to Hearts isn't he on loan yeah. Yeah. well look at we Ben scored a, a ripper was it against Arsenal Leeds I came think. Leeds, Leeds. Yes. Yeah. there you are and where's he gone? He went, he's had a couple of loans that haven't worked out. Oxford was one. Um, and me, Ben, looks a, he looks a decent enough player. So maybe going to Hearts will be a great help to him. And Hearts have started really well. They beat Celtic the first game of the season. So it might be beneficial for, for Ben to go up and, and play a lot of games. But the, when they go and loan, the club always keep a very keen eye on how they're doing and how they're progressing. So they're not felt as if they're isolated. And the players have got to take it in the in the the tense that it's meant that you go in there for your own benefit, for your development and for your improvement. I guess the ideal one to look at for them is uh, Reese Williams, isn't it? The the step up that he had from his loan spell to playing for Liverpool last year, you never know what can happen and you've just got to make the, the best use of the opportunity you've got. Well, by the way, he didn't take a stri- he didn't take a strike. He took a leap. <laughs> yeah. That was a, was a hop, skip, and a jump. Re- respectfully, right? Yeah. The kid of Manchester into Liverpool. Yeah. And that Phillips to the Bundesliga into the first team at Liverpool as well, and they'd done the boys no harm whatsoever coming in, and they must have benefited a great deal for a training with the first team players, but b gone somewhere with, with they themselves could prove to themselves that they were capable of handling it. Now, let's get back to the uh, the senior squad then. As well as Harvey Elliott, we've also seen starts already this season in the two games for Nabi Keita, for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and uh, Costa Simakas, who you mentioned earlier in the show. So could this be an early sign, Kenny, that Jürgen intends to spread the game time around more of the players this season than he's been able to in, in the past couple of seasons? Well, I think early doors, you look at your players and some people get fit quicker than others. Uh, and I think for for the Hawks, he's he's been really unlucky with injuries. He's missed a lot of game, a lot of time, and been on the rehabilitation scheme at Liverpool for a long time. But the Hawks is he, he's useful when he plays, and I think it's maybe just getting him. He might be fitter than some of the other boys, and it's better for him to start in the games unfortunately he missed the last game through some personal reasons um, but Keita Keita I mean as I said earlier it takes a bit of time to understand how the manager works what he, how he wants him to play where they want him to go uh, and I think Naby might uh, have taken that year to settle in and then this year maybe this is going to be his year you just have to wait and see but Naby's a small type that gets fit quicker and some of the big boys so maybe that was a great help to him as well I think a lot of them will have benefited not you know starters but others as well who have been in and around like Kato have almost made themselves but then haven't and have had injury issues this must be the first like summer off and then pre-season that a lot of them have had in years and years like last year obviously being so shortened and there was barely any time between the end of the season and the start we didn't really have any pre-season games 
obviously we had the guys at the Euros and the Copa, but some of those others, like Naby and Ox, who we're speaking about here, you'd like to think that a proper full pre-season, they haven't really missed any of those pre-season games. They've come straight into the competitive action as well. That's got to put them in much, much better stead than in the last couple of years. And Naby, he played 80 minutes in the first two games of the season. I don't want to get carried away, but I've been a long, long-term fan of Naby Keita. And last year, I think it was either four or five, the first five league games of the season, he started each one of them. So nothing to get carried away of too much yet, but that's really, really promising. It's much, much bigger strides. And I think he's had a, from, you know, from the team perspective, really good showings as well. I think that's got to be something that Jürgen is really banking on for this year as being able to rotate a bit more. He said last year, obviously because of the situation of the season, he wasn't able to change the team as much as he would have done normally. I think if Liverpool are going to be successful on more than one front this season, you're going to need those other players to come in. And just like we were talking about Andy Robertson before, those players have to push the others to either keep their own position or to take it themselves and raise the level of the team. Yeah, but I, th- I think Jürgen has a bit of trust in Naby Keita. It might, be, it might no, not be reflected in the number of games that he's played. But when he plays him against Real Madrid, away from home last year, I think that tells you uh, Jürgen's got a lot of time for him. 100%. Uh, and I know he gets subbed, but he, he started the game which should have been a huge boost. And as you say, having a having a, a good break in the summer doesn't do anybody any harm. And he was one of the fortunate ones that never had any games. Yeah, interesting stuff. It'll be interesting to see what what they do with the squad as other players come back. Obviously, Fabinho's had a had a bereavement there, which meant he couldn't start now. So it's gonna be it's gonna be mixed up, and it's gonna be great to see how the how the squad evolves as the season goes. And perhaps uh, perhaps there may still be uh, at least one incoming. We'll have to wait and see as the transfer window comes to a close next Tuesday, I believe. So we'll see what happens there. Now, remarkably, Kenny, it's been ten years since your second spells manager. I can't believe where the time's gone. I'm sure you've played a lot of rounds of golf since. Uh, since I came to an end and uh, just a couple of weeks back one of your signings in that spell Stuart Downing announced his retirement from the game uh, following a couple of, se- couple of seasons that happens with Blackburn Rovers who we were talking about earlier yeah. what are your memories of Stuart and uh, what were the key attributes that you were looking for when signing him from Aston Villa back in 2011 oh Stuart was uh, very quick he'd uh, pretty accurate left foot and we need with a bit. He's a good, real good bit of pace as well. So we just we were looking for people that could come in and uh, he's a bit of woods and give him exactly give us exactly what Stuart could give us. And uh, he was he was he did well for us in that season. And uh, he was a decent lad as well. So I don't know. Uh, went black. He went to black. Went to Middlesbrough. Yeah, Middlesbrough. Then Blackburn, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in West Ham as well. By the way, he must be a fair age. He must be over 35. 36, I think. 30, 37, yeah. Just turned 37. 37. 37. Any advantage in 37? We all want to. Oh, so he, he said a good innings and he's been a great servant to many clubs and we were one of them. I remember quite early on in his Liverpool career, I, th- I think it was against Middlesbrough, but I might be mistaken there. He had one run that he cut in I think off the right and let go of a shot which flew past everyone and smashed back off the crossbar that was Sunderland um, the first game of the Sunderland season. was it yeah okay yeah it, and I often wonder like I think with Downing there was a quite a big thing that he didn't have a goal or assist for quite a long time in his Liverpool career and it always seemed like it was 
very, very small margins, like brilliant crosses, which maybe the header was saved or hit the post or nobody quite got on the end of it. And that shot, I always wonder if maybe it would have gone like a little bit different just with the extra confidence boost that you get of scoring a world-class goal on your debut, that kind of thing. It was. It always seemed like quite marginal that Downing could have done a lot. And yet somehow, nobody wasn't like, you know, a big performer for certainly the first year or so anyway, but it just could have been even better for him had that one maybe gone in. That was a great start almost. Well, that was one of 40 times we hit the woodwork that year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there'll be some scary uh, stats on those uh, those post figures. I went to a few games that season and it just seemed, it seemed we were cursed with the woodwork. I thought they were so accurate. They were mean. I thought it was deliberate. There, there was a joke at the time that we were. There was a joke that we were having too much of the, uh, you know, the training practice they do at the end sometime, where it's the crossbar right. challenge. Too much of that in <laughs> yeah. training. Well, they never did that. They and they were all... it then. <laughs> it, had, it had to be match day. <laughs> so they were all going in and training, and then they were saving the woodwork for the match days. Yes. <laughs> and we got a penalty kick that day as well, the first game. Oh yeah. And I think I think Louis hit it over the Anfield Road stand. Yeah. <laughs> Rose Ed. Yeah. No, over it. <laughs> oh, over it. It went actually over. I didn't realise it went over. Oh, it never was. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that would that would be repeated time and time again, like the Ronnie Rosenthal miss. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll close things off with a look at our rivals. Obviously the first game of which we get to see close up will be this Saturday when Chelsea come to Anfield and uh, Kenny will be back at that one, as I said earlier. Uh, they're they're boosted, Kenny, by the arrival of Romelu Lukaku. Uh how do you see Chelsea fair in this season? Uh, a lot of pundits seem to be tipping them as their as their title favourite. Oh, they'll be certainly up <coughs> in and around there. Tuchel's done a great job since he's gone in. I mean, he's was he won the European Cup, didn't he? Yeah. After a few months, so buying Lukaku is a good purchase for him, and it'll be a fantastic contest in in Saturday. Although it does boil down to Lukaku against Virgil, that'll be an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting battle to see who comes out on top in those two. Because uh, Lukaku, he's always been strong, isn't he? But it looks as if his touch has improved a wee bit and maybe his awareness has improved a wee bit from where he was before. And he'll be flying, scored in his debut. Unlucky maybe not to get another one. Um, But I think Chelsea will be up there, thereabouts. Man City will be there, thereabouts. United are stronger this year. Uh, Tottenham will be interesting to see how they they pan it. So, I think it's going to be a, a good year. Leicester got off to a bad start, but I don't know. Getting battered at West Ham on Monday night, I don't know how, how they're going to react to that, but it'll be interesting. It'll be tight and it'll be competitive. And obviously, we last year when we get the, the injuries in the same position, I mean, injuries are part and parcel of the game. That's why you have a squad, but no two and three injuries in the same position. If you can avoid that sort of a thing happening, then you're going to have a chance. You're going to be right up there, a lot closer than we were last year. So it's it's great. We're really we're as strong as we can be at the moment. Uh, I don't see where we can strengthen what we've got, other than maybe development, or maybe like a Harvey Elliott or or some of the the younger boys coming through. To, to maybe add to the strength of the squad, but 
I don't think we'll be too far away this year either. Looking at those those other teams who are going to be around us at the top, where do you stand on that the Harry Kane talk? Uh, from the perspective of, well, let's be honest, someone who was at his time one of the best forwards around, certainly the best forward in the country, it's tough for him to choose between where he is and where he wants to be in terms of winning the trophies and all the rest of it. Where, How would you see that move this summer? Would you be more inclined to try and help Spurs this summer or is it time now with his age and what Spurs are looking like in terms of another rebuild, another new manager, that it's, it's time to go? Oh, you can't, we don't know what position Harry Kane's in. We don't know the background. That all we see is speculation. If somebody wants to buy him, they've got to pay the asking price. If they don't pay the asking price, he stays with theirs. Is Harry Kane happy with that? You need to ask Harry Kane. There's no point in us speculating about him. For me personally, when I was playing, I was happy where I was. I was at the best place I could possibly be at. Why would you need to change it? And it's no, and I don't, it's no about, I'm not saying for me, it wasn't about money, suggesting that it is for Harry Kane. Harry Kane will make money wherever he plays. It's not a problem for them. He's got the one thing that people want to buy, and that's ability. And people enjoy paying for it. So Harry Kane's got to go and do what he does, uh, what he thinks is best for him. But if there's an asking price there and the club isn't, isn't, paying it just leave it just leave it because he's not going anywhere and if it, if the asking price is 120 million it's a lot of money to put aside I don't know I don't know how it'll pan out but he comes on for 10 minutes at, at Wolverhampton at the weekend there you'd expect him to play this weekend start this weekend and I'm sure one thing with Harry Kane although he might want to move I don't think he'll let it affect his game. I don't think he'll he'll go out and try and be uh, spiteful in any way, shape or form. If he's on the pitch, he wants to win the game. So if he's at Tottenham, which maybe no work in favour for Harry Kane if they're in <laughs> negotiations, it might be better if he was for him to get away, if he was difficult to handle. But you've got to give him a lot of credit as well. He's handled it pretty commendably for me anyway. There's a lot of people with this throwing the toys at the pram. But he's done it properly. He's come on. He did as well as he could in the 10 minutes. And if he starts the game, he'll do as well as he could again. And on the other side of North London, Arsenal are... I don't even know how to describe what Arsenal are at the moment, but they're in another uh, rebuild, let's say. They're still in the middle of trying to give Miguel Arteta the, the, the tools that he wants to rebuild the team the way he wants to. How would you see any similarities, let's say, between where they are now and maybe where Liverpool were when you took over for the second time in terms of maybe falling away from challenging at the very highest end of the table and needing to reassess how to get back up there? Well, Arteta get put in charge to take them back up there. Um, he won a trophy in his first year, didn't he? Yeah, the FA Cup. Right? So, I don't know... What He's got to have an idea in his mind and restructuring a team. But you can't dismantle a team before you've got the restructure in. So I, I, I just don't, sometimes when I look at the, the purchases that he's made, I don't see the reason for for bringing them in. Some of them. I mean, they, they've got, they're really good youngsters. 
they're really good youngsters. A couple of them have been sold on. But are the ones he brought in any better than the ones that he sold on? I, I don't know. But he's it, no brought in any marquee player, really. As you say, he needs a centre-forward. He needs a striker. Martinelli. He's only a boy. They needed a name to be up there. Uh, he's Obama Yang finished the season with poor the poor record towards the end of the season regards goals. Lacassette looked lively but maybe it's time for him to go as well. So he knows where he's got to go. And rather than spend the money on younger players that might have greater potential or longevity for the club, they need you to get somebody in up there, I think. And when you look at the the centre backs, I mean, I don't know how many centre backs he's got. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got he's got one for every day of the week except Max Day, I think. <laughs> so it's it's a difficult it's a difficult task to rebuild, uh, and I think he's finding it difficult at the moment. And I think the club have been supportive to him financially. And how? How he gets through this would only be, well, with the great help of the players that he has there. But I think there's some of them. I mean, I, I would have gone more experienced if I had the money. If you've got as much money as you need, then you, you don't need to be experienced. Eh? It's maybe better to get the young ones in first. But, I mean, Pepe's playing the, what was he, 50 million or something? 60 million? Yeah, 72, I think, yeah. 72? Yeah. Well, sometimes when you go that far, if it's snow, and Pepe's a better player than what he's shown at Arsenal, I think. Or he showed more in, in France than what he did since he's come mm. to Arsenal. Where'd you sell him on to? He's nowhere to sell him. So he's yeah, got yeah. to try and play him and try and get the best out of him. And he has got better. But he's no what you would expect for a player of that, who's cost that, that much money, 70 million. So, and he's no got a, like Lacassette and Bamiyang. The scoring records know what you would expect either. Smith Rowe, I think, looks a player. He looks a player. Um, so he's got a difficult job there, Mikel Arteta, and the most important thing for him is he's getting he's getting support financially. But the other thing is, if, if I, I would I would. I would look back and say, well, I'm not so sure on some of the signing. I think Willie had a good example there. Didn't really work out last year at all. Huge salary. I'm leaving well, again this summer. Somebody said, what costs nothing can't be dear. I think William's a bit expensive. <laughs> yeah, just a tad. It's unusual. He was decent at Arsenal, uh, at Chelsea. Yes. You would understand bringing somebody like that in. But the environment he was in at Chelsea, it was a... Uh, I think it was a higher level than what he was coming into at, at Arsenal. And sometimes you just don't settle down. I mean, it's not as if he said to move house, is it? I was not sure. He's been in and around the same same area. Yeah, not, no massive upheaval. It's just one of those that hasn't worked out. And I think a lot of pundits and a lot of analysts said that at the time. It was a strange signing because they just 
they'd kind of just moved Ozil on at the same time, who was obviously on big money, and they they then offered a huge contract to Aubameyang with no resale value, huge money to William with no resale value. You mentioned Pepe there earlier, younger player, obviously at the opposite end of his career. But again, where's the resale value in that right now because of the way the, the way he's performed in the two seasons he's been? Now I want to just close off by talking about the Manchester clubs quickly. Obviously, they've done a lot of business. Some big signings, if there have been big signings, they've been in Manchester. Obviously, City going big on Jack Grealish, breaking the British uh, transfer record. And uh, we've obviously seen Manchester United sign Jadon Sancho and uh, and Varane from uh, Real Madrid as well. What have you made of the business that the Manchester sides have done and their prospects uh, going into the new season? No, as I said earlier, I think they'll be there. They've strengthened themselves at the back. They take bringing Varane in. Fernandez has come in last year. He, he, he was unbelievable last year, the contribution he made. He got off to a flyer against Leeds the first game. But I think the result at Southampton would be disappointing for them. But I think they'll be there or thereabouts. And they've no... I don't, Rashford's no been back, has he? Cavani's been injured. They've got Jack uh, Sancho in as well. So, no, they, they, they've been pretty serious. They'll be serious contenders this year. Man City getting Grealish. And then if they, they were to get Kane, I mean, £220 million spent in the close season if King is in, right? Two hundred and twenty million. The champion of spent. That's a statement in itself, isn't it? So but for me I, I, I just I think they're they're stronger than what they were. But so are we. And we've only signed Kuati. But we've got the boys back that we missed out on last year and the other boys can move into their own position. So that strengthens us up. Maybe no we signing, but we're getting people back. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great great season for everybody to watch. I don't think anybody will run away with it. Do you think Solskjaer is the manager who can help United take, you know, the, the step towards the silverware? He's had quite a lot of runners up, quite a lot of semi finals, second place in the league of course, and they've not actually taking that step. So do you think it's just the, the new signers that they needed to come in or do you think there's anything else there? Well, obviously people at United think that because you've just given them a new contract. Yeah. And they gave them the money to buy the players. And uh, I think he's a very pleasurable guy. What he's like indoors with the football, I don't know because I've never, I've never uh, been in his company and chatted football for in any way, shape or form, but he seems a decent fella. The results are get better. Uh, he had a great start to it, but I think they hand-picked the games that were coming up when the first game was at Cardiff and they won five. So he got off to a really good start. Had a wobble, then kicked on again. No, I think I think he knows what Manchester United stands for. I think he knows what it's all about. He said great support for the board with the, the financials, uh, bringing the players in. And the players he's brought in, like Cavani did well as well last year when he came in. Uh, Fernandez, Marquis, looks a, look a really, really good buy. Varane, you have to wait and see, but Varane and Maguire look a formidable partnership there at centre back. So maybe if he was being really avaricious, he'd look and find a, a central midfield player. And then you've always got the, the problem of Pog, Pogba hanging about. If, the speculation and what he's got to deal with with him. If, if he settles down and, and finds a game and the first game of the season against Leeds, his passing was superb. So everybody knows he can play. 
but it also it's a bit disruptive when you see all the speculation about what he's going to do about his contract or where he wants to play or whatever. So if that settles down, that will help them as well. Excellent stuff. And uh, listeners can't see this, but Kenny's been attacked by a fly or two uh, throughout this show and he's done really well to, uh, to hold his composure there. It's been quite something to watch. Uh, and that draws us to a close of this episode of The King and Air. And as ever, please do give us your feedback. The best way is on our Discord community. All Liverpool fans are invited to sign up at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. Alternatively, do tag us on uh, feedback on Twitter. We are at respectively at Kenneth Dalgleish or at Cal Matchett, or at Eddie Gibbs. So just in closing, that important reminder once again, if you enjoy listening to this show as much as we enjoy recording it for you, then all we ask is that one thing. Please head on over to anfieldindex.com forward slash MDA and do whatever you can to help the Marina Dalglish appeal. So a huge thank you on a fine debut to Mr. Cal Matchett. Thanks very much. Cheers again for having us on, and lovely to speak to Kenny. And for his... Cal, it's just a shame you're working with an amateur. <laughs> I mean me, no you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and for his wisdom and insight once again, and that uh, that dry Glaswegian wet that we love so much, uh, let's thank you to Liverpool's legendary former player and manager, Sir Kenny Dalglish. Thank you, Edward. And we'll enjoy seeing uh, the camera pan up to you uh, when you make your long-awaited return to Anfield again. And uh, you won't have to wear a mask for once. I look better with a mask on, Eddie. <laughs> we've, got, we've got so used to seeing you Anfield I'm with no, this mask I'm no happy I'm no happy <laughs> without a mask <laughs> thanks for listening everyone and uh, we'll leave you in the capable hands of, uh, of Kelly Cates it's goodbye from us thanks very much for listening hope you enjoyed the show there is one more thing that you could do but it doesn't really require any effort if you use Amazon if you go to smile.amazon.co.uk there's an option to select a charity if you select the Marina Dalglish appeal then every time you make a purchase at Amazon they will make a donation to the charity all you have to do is use smile.amazon.co.uk as your website to buy things from Amazon it should in theory be quite straightforward thanks very much again hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.